You're listening to the Canned Fruit Podcast with your favorite trio, Danielle, Jess, and Kia. We will have meaningful conversations on what it looks like to have compassion and respect when communicating with others. This show is a safe and brave space to open up. So let's start. All righty. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Canned Fruit. This is Kia, and I with me, I have the wonderful Danielle and the wonderful Jessica. Hello. 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 You can't see me, but I'm dancing. <laughs> so we've been building up a little bit to, to not what I'll call the conclusion. Well, definitely not, because we definitely have more episodes. <laughs> Wait um, a minute. <laughs> But we've been building up a a bit talking about environment and all these other things that are very important to our conversation. And I'm going to give credit to Jessica and then Jessica could decide if she wants to to give credit to somebody else. But in, in one of our meetings, she talked about truths with a capital T and that just stuck. These truths with a capital T, things that we thought, wow, you really... If, if you don't have these things, if you're not going into the conversation with these things in mind, if the other person or other people in your conversation don't have these things in mind, whether it's difficult, whether it's positive, whatever it is, your conversation is not going to go the way that you think it should or think it might. So yeah, choose with a capital T. Was, was there any specific, any specific thing do you remember what we were talking about when you 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 came out with that gangbuster title truths with a capital t gangbuster <laughs> so that that was not my that's not my phrase so i won't take credit for that i heard that probably in college and i think we were talking about something that was similar to when i originally heard the phrase and that was like when things are not necessarily fact, but they're so, so well referenced, so well referenced that people take it as truth, Mm. you know, like it's, it's understood to be true, right? It's not a fact. It's not provable. It's not science, but it's understood to be true. It's like a different version of fact, I guess, truth with a capital T. So, yeah, I think we were talking about something like that and I was like, I, it was a, one of the basics, right? Like active listening or something. And I was like, well, that's a truth with a capital T. That's, that's like, there's more than one of those things, but. Because they kept, they kept coming up every time we yeah. talked yes. through these conversations. It was like, well, I want people to be honest. I want them to be their true selves and I want them to listen. And then we're just like, what are these things coming up? And that was when Jessica hit us with the truths with a capital T because they're yeah regardless of whether it was through research um whether it was just through us sharing our experiences and our conversations these are the things we felt or found were just the basics of, of your conversations I'll go over what all four are right now but we'll dive into each of them we've got honesty and authenticity active listening just like Jessica was saying introspection and validation and empathy. 
I want us to start talking a little bit about honesty and authenticity. And I found this quote from someone I love. We probably will have too many Renee <laughs> Brown quotes. Mm-hmm. There's other people doing research. We know. Uh, we know that there are other people doing research, but... They'll come up once in a while. <laughs> Every once in a while. We might talk about those people, but I, I really liked this quote by Brene. Uh, where she says, authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. And that's from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. I like my eye is twitching after. (laughs) (laughs) What about it is making your eye twitch? I love it, but at the same time, I'm like, wow right it is it is every day it's a choice we make every day and it's so so true it's almost like in every moment every interaction to to be authentic is to choose to be yourself and to like take over take off the veil that is comfortable Mm. and I'm like "Mm, wow ouch (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. I I like how you you say it is taking off that veil taking off what Brene would call armor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not that we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the way that you, you, you phrase that and taking, taking off that veil where you come to the conversation, especially the difficult ones that, that are, are more of our focus. When you are honest, when you are authentic, even if you don't necessarily get what you wanted, like you're being honest, you tell your partner this thing that you're thinking, they might not respond the way that you want them to, but if you're both being honest, you both know where you stand. If you're not coming to a conversation with honesty, with authenticity, well, to me, what's the point of having it? Um, But also... Mm -hmm if you both have that kind of like veil, if there's this opaqueness going on, you can't quite see, you can't quite see through because you're, you're talking, you know, in code and all those types of things. But if, if you, if you're unable to truly engage, then you won't know how to truly be with that person. But isn't that the thing though, Key, is that people go through so much of life, never really being with people. And, and, so even when I hear authenticity and honesty, I still see those. As, I, I love that they're grouped because I do think they're aligned, but there's like saying the truth and showing up as your true self are still two separate things, right? Like I can tell mm-hmm. you the truth and have, and that's why I use the word, word veil. And if I may liken myself to the, to the great and powerful Brene Brown, like I see, I see the importance of the, the word armor because in a lot of difficult conversations, you're coming off defensive, right? But then there is also this veil where I think professionally in my case, there is, there's always been this need to be something different than you are. And so sometimes it's not a defensive stance. Sometimes it's an altered reality. And so I can say how I tell the truth can come off differently. And if I say it from my most authentic self, I guess that's going back to why I agree with you looping these together is that I can tell you the truth with my veil of, you know, air quotes, professionalism as what I think other people want me to be. 
But if I show up as Danielle and I say that truth, I find it to be more powerful every time, right? Like if I, if I show up to the conversation as my authentic self and speak my truth from that point, I'm like, one, I think it gives other people the opportunity to, to your point, to like be with me and to see me for who I am. Um, but there's fear in that. Cause like, what if they, what if they see something that they don't like, what's the repercussions of that? Mm-hmm. But to your, to again, I'm going to say, but to your point, a lot of times this, this episode, I do hear you Kia, when you're like, what's the point? And that takes bravery. But I think I agree with you fully. What's the point if we can't show up our most authentic selves and be honest and have other people receive that, how they receive it, we can't control, but that's not really the point is the point is, can we show up authentically and honestly? I'd like, I have a question. What's the difference? between authenticity and honesty. I, I, I feel like I can answer that based on how you're using them in your sentences, Yeah, but I want to hear you guys. So I, I was like, I'm, I've been furiously trying to find the exact quotes, um, but I can't find it right now. So I'm just gonna go with off the top of my head. We, and we always find them eventually. So they'll be in our show notes, but <laughs> when you were talking, Danielle, about authenticity versus honesty, I was thinking about this conversation I was having with myself. Because you have most like of your conversations. <laughs> your and favorite conversation I was recently partner. listening to one of my favorite artists, Kendrick Lamar. Hey. Um, I was, I believe it's the damn album. I'm going to say it's the damn album. As in, that's what it's called. It, as, and it is the damn <laughs> album. Damn. <laughs> and in it, he kind of does a response to um, Gerald, uh, Geraldo Rivera, mm-hmm. where Geraldo talks about a quote from another album of Kendrick's where it's basically something like Popo wanna kill us dead in the street for show I can't remember the lyrics now and I'm kind of saying it like Hirono for some reason because that's how it's it's playing in my head in fact I think it might be in the song All Right by Kendrick Lamar but anyways and when I hear that quote I think I hear something different than what Geraldo was hearing. Mm -hmm. So when I hear that quote, I hear Kendrick as his authentic self saying, even when I'm innocent, even when I'm just trying to live my life, when I'm just trying to be free in America, I am treated like a criminal. That's what I hear Kendrick saying. But Geraldo, I believe, is hearing Kendrick say, the police basically like a, like a F the police instead of saying, Hey, instead of what I hear, which is Kendrick saying, Hey, me, people who look like me, people who live like me, people who sound like me are treated differently than people who don't look like sound like, or live the places where I live. So I think when, when we're talking Mm -hmm. about authenticity versus honesty, Kendrick could have said it plainly like that, like, well, not even plainly is not even the right word, but just said it in a way that might make more people comfortable. But he didn't say it in a way that made people comfortable. He said it in a way that was authentic to him and to his music. Hmm. That was a lot. No, it was a lot of awesome. <laughs> that was a very good example. Yeah, it was a lot of awesome. Because, you, well, you know, I'm following and following. You came to that last point and I'm like, that's it. It's that. Uh, and, and again, if I were to liken myself to the great and powerful Kendrick Lamar, um, 
<laughs> Do as you please, Danielle. <laughs> yes. Am I liking myself to great and powerful people? Maybe I'll be one one day. But you are I, one. I do think that. Um, so I, I went to Google because I always think it's funny to, to kind of see what these words mean. And um, mm-hmm. they, they don't do justice to what you just said, Kia. Like, so it, the definition there is honest, is free of deceit, which I think is interesting. Um, hmm. You know, it's truthful and sincere. And then authentic is of undisputed origin and not a copy, genuine. And so those things are... Hmm. They're, they're very, even Google, Google be coming through sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that your example is, is, is well aligned with these definitions because the truth is that there is an uprising in the reality that African-Americans and, you know, we want, we, we used to say African-American males, but particularly just, it's not African-Americans are, are, are killed at a disproportionate rate, right? And how we say that fact is the is the authentic angle. And so mm. I do I do hear you with your example, Kia, because he could have come. That that goes back to the veil. He could have presented the truth with this veil of comfort that would have created comfort for other people. And we always talk about what it means to be an adult, right? And do we have to put that veil on to make other people comfortable or are other people required to be an adult and figure out why they're uncomfortable and whose responsibility is that? So, you know, when I think of authentic, I think, I think of the truth is, is it a lie or is it the truth? Is there fact in what's being said? That's when I think about honesty. When I think about authenticity Mm -hmm. is, can I say it the way that I need it to be said Mm -hmm. and let other people figure out how they feel in reaction to that and not alter how I say it based on how I think you're going to feel. And that, and, and Kia, like, that's why your example is so well put because the fact, the facts are there. People can dispute those facts. Yeah. I'm not saying that we, we can have a whole different conversation about whether or not you believe facts to be true, whatever, whatever. But I think there is something to be said about them both hearing. And I don't even know if that's fair. Kendrick Lamar saying something, in his authentic voice and someone reacting to that authentic voice, not really, not really to what's being said. This is really sort of like confusing to me in a way, because you would think that by being authentic and being true to yourself and representing your own lived experience, people would take it as more true and it sounds like in your example, in Kia's example and your brief example that you didn't go into detail about, Danielle, about showing up at work as your authentic self and having fear about how other people are going to receive you. It seems as though people people get confused by the authentic self and can't see the authenticity of the person and also the honesty of the fact it seems like people latch on to the authenticity aspect and they can't recognize it as real. Do you see what I'm saying? How it's like, it's a double truth, like to live authentically and be speaking honestly is a double truth. And you would think that that would be received well by people. And yet somehow people seem to really struggle with accepting that. 
Let's, I, I will be the controversial one on this topic today. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that they have trouble. I think, um, well, well my, converse, my controversial statement is that I don't think people have trouble with it. I think people don't like authentic, certain versions of authenticity. Um, okay. Okay. I, I think there are certain versions of authenticity that are deemed inappropriate yes. or, um, or unlike, and, and, it, and I think that's the thing about making a judgment on someone's authenticity, right? Because now we've said that if you're uncomfortable with my version of authenticity, but the assumption is I need to be comfortable with yours, mm-hmm. there's a disconnect there. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I'll let, I see, I see head nods, just... I'll be quiet. <laughs> It's when you were saying that, I think in some instances, it might be that people are uncomfortable. I think in other instances, it's it's literally lack of experience. I don't, mm. not even that they've experienced, like in Kendrick's example, they don't have that experience in their life, but they don't have experience with that type of authenticity, just like you were saying. So I think it's less a, for some, in some instances, qualify that in some instances it's not that they're that they don't want you to be authentic it's that they don't have experience with that and not necessarily having the growth mindset to understand it more that they're kind of locked in like this is the appropriate way what you're doing is not aligned with maybe the culture I guess and and that could be all we can have so many side <laughs> conversations on that, but, um, mm-hmm. but they don't have that experience and, and I'll say don't have the growth mindset to then evaluate why that form of authenticity is making them uncomfortable or why haven't they experienced authenticity in that way or why they don't see it as authenticity and they see it as something mm. um, combative mm-hmm. rather than just someone being honest. And it, and it might be combative, right? Like there have been windows in my yeah. life where my authentic self was aggressive. Yeah. That's not to stereotype me. That is a byproduct of Danielle, the individual, not Danielle, the stereotypical black woman, right? Like let's mm-hmm. make that distinction. And I, and I think that's the thing is like, there are different phases in people's lives where they will be forthcoming, where they will be untruthful, where there will be all these different things and I just, I just think that if we're talking about in terms of having conversations and what makes them fruitful, if I can't show up to a conversation and say, in in my in my own, oh man, I'm I'm trying not to like take a left turn, but they saw this really interesting thing on LinkedIn of all places, which is not usually the place where I see like really interesting things. It's like webinar, 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 and I was like, oh, really interesting thing, and um, <laughs> it was about code switching. And that, and I'll, we will put it in the show notes because I'm sure he's amazingly brilliant and well-respected and I just don't know his name at the moment. But it, it was gripping because he was talking about how he was talking on the phone and, and he was speaking a certain way. And the person was saying that he could get a deal on whatever he was buying. And his reaction was word. And, and her reaction was, yes, child. And in that moment... <laughs> They, they didn't like, and, and he says that in that moment, they both realized that they were both from the same culture. They were both black. They didn't realize it before then. And it is that feeling of, if I'm having a conversation with you, I can't show up and say, 
just saying that there is there is so much power in being able to show up into a conversation and and be your honest self, be your authentic self and not have that judged because there's room you you might find connection with people in a way that you didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't know you would. And so, you know, so when I think of conversations and I think about when I can talk to Jessica and Kia and I can talk to you in with my hands flailing and I'm like all energetic and I'm rambling a bit, but then I bring it back. That's me showing up in my most authentic self. And yes, there are going to be times when I need to be more concise. Yes, there are going to be times where I need to be more um, thoughtful in the words that I'm using. That's fair. But to not be, to feel as though you can't show up as your most authentic self really does hinder the ability to have meaningful conversation, especially about challenging topics. Mm-hmm. I think surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, but what I believe is that this nicely wraps into another truth with a capital T, which is active listening. And I was reading an article, which we'll share, And it had four points on active listening uh, or these four things need to be, you need to follow these four steps in order to be considered actively listening. The first is to offer focused attention, making sure you're listening to um, whoever you're speaking with um, to connect. The second is to interpret the meaning, Mm -hmm. whatever that person is saying, you interpret that. But the next step is very important to acknowledge the speaker's point of view. So while you may interpret the meaning, the the meaning of whatever they say, make sure that you're acknowledging acknowledging the the person or the people you're speaking with truth. Um, and and you may not be able to, you might not have the experience to do that. And then comes to step four, which is confirm your understanding. So you've interpreted the meaning. What does this mean to you? You've acknowledged the experience and or life of, of your, who you're speaking with. And that depends on the context. If it's your friend, if it's your coworker, if it's your partner, if it's your child. So whatever you need to acknowledge and then confirm what, you, what you've understood. And so what I see missing and a lot of the examples that we've been talking about is that confirm your understanding. Mm-hmm. You've listened, maybe not necessarily to connect, but you've listened. So you kind of did part one. You've interpreted the meaning, you know what it means to you. And so you've gone to to part two, but maybe you're not quite acknowledging the speaker's point of view. And I'm not seeing step four at all, kind of in our examples, which is confirm your understanding, go back to the speaker. Is this what you meant? There's just, oh, this is what I think you meant. That's what you meant. And we're done. (laughs) (laughs) I can see her. <laughs> I'm just I'm just overwhelmed by how important these steps are and and how little we do it. Again, we we you know we do it in today's kind of culture of conversation. Um mm-hmm. when we're thinking about, you know, when we first started this, we were thinking about the conversations out around uh racial relations in the US and political extremes and Uh, even this example of Geraldo v. Kendrick, right? Wouldn't conversation, is it that it's more important to share your opinion or is it more important to share your opinion with this fourth confirming your understanding, right? Because in that example of Geraldo interpreting what Kendrick Lamar Lamar was saying, I wonder if there was, there's, there's no point in which 
there is interpreting interpreting the meaning. That's that's Geraldo's interpretation of the meaning. But I and and obviously he's listened to it. Um, but there is not the acknowledgement of the speaker's point of view. And this goes back to what you were saying the first episode, Kia, about humanity, right? And seeing people for their 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 humanity. Exactly. I don't even need to, to say what I was gonna say. Like you're you're already there. Oh, sorry. I'm not trying, <laughs> I'm not trying to steal the shine. I, I literally just was like, wow, this is is so important because if you don't see their humanity, how can you understand what they're saying? You know? And then the fourth one, there's no confirmation because there's no conversation. In this example, Geraldo could have reached out. Maybe he did. I don't know. I need to I need to reference it. But I wonder what a conversation would have looked like between the two of them about this. And they might not have ended up in the same spot, but I'm just, I'm just hopeful that there would have been some additional clarity um, mm. instead of this kind of like positioning of you versus me. I really like the end of that, that positioning of you versus me, which is where I think we get lost a lot um, in, in all of our difficult conversations, that there must be this distinct, instead of us against an idea maybe, or not even us against the idea, but us discussing an idea, us fleshing out points of contention or points of agreement, just just really talking to each other. It's my idea, your idea, next idea. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's it. My idea, your idea, next topic. My idea, your idea, next topic. No, nothing else, nothing happens. Like there is no conversations. Me talking at you, you talking at me, that's it. I think there's like, this opportunity to approach conversations in a different way, which is something that we talked about earlier, going into a conversation with a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where we're getting this trip up factor, where if you go in, it's not, I don't know, it's not really about like listening to the other person, but it's about so to me, this third step, the acknowledging the speaker's point of view, it comes with a, an alternate step, and that is to acknowledge your own shortcomings in seeing the other person's point of view, right? So when, you, when I'm listening to you guys describe it, I'm getting this typical like, oh, there's the person who's arrogant, right, who doesn't care about the other person's, mm. right? you're not going to go very far in a conversation with that person. Then there's the person who's ignorant. And if they, if that person acknowledges that they're ignorant and also acknowledges that they have the opportunity to grow in that conversation, then you could actually learn something, but you either have to acknowledge that the other person has a different perspective or that you don't understand what that looks like, that you, that you can't process that yet and let that other person fill you in on the missing pieces would it's like it be, that step three is like incomplete to me would it be fair to semi recharacterize what you just said about the two sub steps and in, in that there's like arrogant ignorance and mm -hmm. growth ignorance I guess I can't think of another word for it but it's <laughs> right yeah I don't know fair. and I think I I don't know and I think I know which kind of I don't Does know and I don't sense? care. Yeah, and, and I don't care. And then I don't know. I would love to know more. Right. Yes. Because then I think you can actually like 
go back to the original topic, you're saying, you know, like my idea, your idea, but if it's your idea and okay, I don't understand your idea, then you can actually kind of build from there instead of just being like mine and yours, mine and yours, mine and yours, new topic. I so, love that building. And it reminds me of our discussion about the journey before you can go down. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just curious about, so how is that different than confirming your understanding? Cause I, cause then is it like the step three is actually, maybe it's five steps, right? Maybe it's the third mm-hmm. is acknowledging the person's speaker's point of view. It's acknowledging your point of view and then confirming is confirming validating or is confirming what we're saying where I stand and this is where I stand on this. And so I need, to, you know, I'm trying to understand how we just separate those two. The I last think to me, to me, it's like a stepwise process and you can't confirm your understanding if you don't understand. So you have to have step three of like, okay, I get your point of view. And then I'm going to repeat to you what I understood and heard from you. That's step confirm. four. Okay. Yeah. That's it. the confirming. But if you can't do that, if you can't acknowledge the other person's point of view, or if you can't say, I don't understand your point of view because I don't have your lens or your perspective or your knowledge or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Why would you feel that way? What about it has led you to this? Then you can't ever get to confirm your understanding. So it's like this understand. like loop because you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So I have two other thoughts here. So one, this, this might loop. Okay. So the, let me, let me first, first thought. <laughs> I'm interested in the fact that this is my, this is a real, the point you're bringing up, Jessica, is a real point of where I think aggression and defensiveness happens in a conversation. Mm, mm-hmm. The step three is it. Like, this is the and and it's three, Trigger. but it's three in terms of like the one that you're adding, because I can acknowledge your point of view, but then when I have to acknowledge my own shortcomings, mm. the defensiveness rises. And I think this is, you know, and I just want to just sit in this for a minute to like anybody that's listening to just understand, like, it's not that this is easy. This is not an easy thing. It's just a necessary thing. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's only in in us having this conversation I'm realizing oh it's not people don't get upset when they're listening people don't get upset when they're interpreting what they're hearing they don't get upset when they're seeing the other person I mean they might but if they're really acknowledging that person's point of view if I'm really acknowledging someone who um doesn't like black people I can appreciate that they have a different perspective than I do um, right. but when I have to come to terms with my shortcomings in a conversation with someone that I have made a judgment about. Yeah. That's really tricky. And then oh, you yeah. start to get defensive. Um, so I just wanted to say that and thank you both for like helping me think through that. And then also noting this, th- this additional step might be your next point about introspection though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see if there's actually a distinction there, or is it that we flipped it into how it happens? Yeah, so I was just uh, introspection, another of our truths with a capital T, and I'm wondering, well, no, it's still a truth with a capital T, but does is it integrated into that act of listening if we are acknowledging the speaker's point of view, we're just making it more explicit, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss it together instead of me having this conversation by myself. I think it can podcast. be both. <laughs> I think it can be both because so active listening is it puts you in a role in the conversation as the listener, right? 
But then there's the other part of you that shows the other role that you have in the conversation as speaker. And so you can be introspective in both, I think, right? I can be introspective about how I'm listening to you and what lens I am receiving the information through. I can be introspective about that. And I can also be introspective about how I give information to you. I love that because we talk about conversation being a dialogue. And in that dialogue, you have two roles. To listen to what that other person or other people, what their, what your partner or partners are saying. And to also say things like you, to afford to be <laughs> right. a conversation, <laughs> to you, you must contribute. We <laughs> laugh, participate. but we've all been in a conversation yeah. with someone who has not participated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You, you may have been that person. So uh, that's absolutely possible. <laughs> or even in conversations with people that don't let you participate. Like, I have been that. This person. is not a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can I, just... Can I get a word in? <laughs> You know, I have to sit here with my finger over my lips half the time. <laughs> but okay, so I want to just add that. So I think it's, so the, when I thought of introspection prior to what Jessica's brought into this conversation, I thought of it as a truth with a capital T because I felt like it was necessary just oh, in an overarching kind of way mm-hmm. to, and what I think is happening here is we're seeing a moment where if you haven't done this greater introspection, that 3.5 step we're talking about, or that Mm -hmm. added step we've added is really, really difficult. And so it's already hard if you've done the introspection, because you're like, okay, I'm feeling myself feel defensive because I know myself, I know my trigger points. So that's why I think it's like this definitely a truth of the capital T, but I'm also seeing now like, oh man, it's really important because if you haven't done that, you're really not going to be able to do it at, at, in the midst of a conversation with somebody who is a foe in lack of a better word, right? Like it's going to be really hard to say, hmm, I hear my, I see, I hear myself. I feel myself. I see myself becoming defensive because I have to check myself instead of having checked yourself independently of the conversation. So maybe that's what I'm yeah. thinking about. It's like, are yes. you doing the work independently of the live moment when something needs you to have done the work? It's like when people think of therapy as like, oh, when something is wrong. No, mm-hmm. it's a process mm-hmm. that helps you in the moments where things are challenging to work through those moments. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's true. I mean, it bleeds, it bleeds into everything else, right? If you, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate the point. There's no need to do that. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay I'll give you something. <laughs> yes. So, so I will give you all something else since I'm just, since I'm the nugget dropper today, I said it, we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it. It happened. Um, knowing your why though, because, okay, when you talk about introspection, in terms of knowing yourself mm-hmm. but we haven't really talked about like the knowing your why part and I think that's a little bit harder to grasp maybe we can spend some time on that I don't know Kia what were your thoughts when you were thinking about knowing your why I think knowing your why is maybe multifaceted might be 
a good word. So it's not just knowing why you've entered the conversation, why it's knowing why this is important to you or knowing why it's important to the other person. I should, I should say, and knowing why it's important to the other person. Because if you've determined that this conversation is difficult, then why is it difficult? Is it your relationship with that person? Is it the, the just the type of conversation? Is it, if it's a termination conversation at work, of course, it's just going to be difficult. But I like to think of that knowing that why, not just why are we having this conversation, but why has it generated some additional importance? Hmm. I'm sitting here in silence, but like, I'm agree. I agree with you. (laughs) Again, I feel like we, we need a better, um, a better way to agree with each other than just like silently nodding. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, you know, me in silence, I was just sitting in the silence because we think that that's an important part of a conversation too, is to like be able to be in the silence, which I'm horrible at. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder though, if it's the why is like, I just feel like so much of this is out is before so much of this introspection is before you're in the difficult conversation. I'm thinking about like when, what, you know, a lot of the, because this, our, our, our togetherness was, you know, had an impetus from, you know, Enneagram and the, you know, the, the chaos in the United States at the time and ongoing in certain respects. Um, But there's this feeling of like, why was, why did I need to engage in so many conversations around racial equity? Like knowing my why was important, especially when it became draining it was important to understand why when it became too draining and I decided to no longer engage because my why was and is always to allow people to understand that we can have different realities and still respect each other's existences in the world, right? And that why helps me. The introspection about me is understanding that I come from a place where I have been, you know, stereotypically aggressive or I have I talk a lot or I'm an extrovert like there's all that Danielle stuff but that's independent to like certain topics and understanding that racial equity and equity in general is something that's going to rile me up is 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 part of my why and I I guess that's not maybe like the best distinction but it makes sense in my head so I welcome like additional questions for clarification I just agree that the introspection in fact, maybe that should be part of our, um, like setting the environment is not because we talked a lot in that episode about, it's not just about that physical environment is you need to understand you before you're going to, exactly. to move forward, um, and try and understand someone else. Last thing I'll say on this topic, and then I will be quiet. I want to just also give space to the fact that if we don't engage in these conversations, you might not learn. Like sometimes just knowing yourself can be enough. Maybe you don't always need to know your way. You get into a conversation and you're like, wow, I didn't know this meant so much to me. Right. And it's only in having the conversation. Do you realize that you've learned something yourself? So I just want to also say that, like, I've learned a lot about myself through conversations. And so like, there should still be an openness there. You don't have to figure it out before you have the conversation. It's just like something that you should be aware of as you navigate them. There's more a silence of agreeing, I think. Yeah, this, this is, yes, my, my, my agreement. Well, since we all already agree, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, since we all already agree, we have our, our last truth with a capital T, which is validation. And then I was reading a quote or, or just reading in general, that's what something I love to do, um, but empathy. So not just validation, but empathy. And I have another quote. <laughs> It might not, it might be from Brene Brown again, but I just felt like it succinctly kind of summed up what I think about in this empathy versus sympathy um, difference. Because I think some people confuse empathy with sympathy or they use them synonymously. Oh, I have empathy slash sympathy for you. Well, no, you can, anyways, here's the quote. Want to know what would have made me feel alone or worse in the airport? So Brene's talking about um, an instance in the airport where someone, where someone expressed empathy to her instead of sympathy. So want to know what would have made me feel alone and worse at the airport? Sympathy. If Suzanne had said, I'm so sorry, you poor thing, or I can't imagine how hard this must be for you. She didn't feel bad for Brene, for me, for Brene. She felt pain with me. Empathy is feeling with people. Sympathy is feeling for them. Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. And I'm going to say that last two, those last two sentences again, because I just, just feel like they're so poignant. Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection mm -hmm. and we talked about in our active listening to confirm your understanding and i part of that confirming your understanding is validating what the other person in the conversation has said or experienced and validation doesn't mean agreement. That validation is not, I just understand how you feel, that's your sympathy. But if you can think of a time when you have felt that way, think of what it would feel like to feel that way. I believe it'll change your experience in the conversation. Instead of just, wow, that, that sucks. I, I would hate if if I felt not free walking around in my own country, minding my own business. And instead thinking, wow, if I couldn't walk down the street without feeling not only eyes on me, but like I didn't belong, like sitting in that for a little bit. If, if you, even if you have to say to the other person, and just because this is a specific example, but saying to the other person that maybe you need a second to think about it. Maybe you need to, a second to sit in it mm. and think about how that would help your connection with that person. Instead of saying, wow, it sucks to be you. <laughs> well, I don't want to be in the conversation with you anymore. Kind of really, because it's like, wow, how do, how do I, how do, how do we move on from there with a, a sucks to be you? I always understood my my understanding 
so let me just say this is powerful um kia this empathy fueling connection uh, is mm-hmm. something i always understood but what i didn't realize is sympathy driving disconnection it's something mm-hmm. i felt but i've not been able to articulate it that way so here all powerful Brene wins game <laughs> but I, I do think that you know when when we're talking about this one of the things i remember hearing is like people would say that I can be empathetic if I've lived through what you've lived through, right? And so it's easier for people to be empathetic when they've actually experienced something that's very similar. Yeah. Um, and then, but the, but the flaw in that is that the alternative is sympathy. And, and that's not necessarily the case. You know, you don't have to go down that route. You can still be empathetic. And I think it just takes more work. I think it takes time. It does people saying, okay, let me think about what this person's saying to me. And let me, in, in my, in my mind, channel through my life experiences and find one where I felt similarly. And, and that's how I've navigated empathy mm-hmm. because to be human is to feel, you guys know, I, I believe that to my core. <laughs> yes. And I, I just wonder if it's, it doesn't always have to be I know what it feels like to be watched on the street by the police, but I know what, you know, maybe it's a moment where you felt alone, a moment where you felt like you were the only one. Yeah. I think people struggle with drawing parallels, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to feelings, Mm -hmm. because it's hard to make an assumption about how something feels to another person, especially when we're like, pretty bad at recognizing feelings within ourselves, right? We, we mislabel feelings pretty frequently. So when another person is honest with you about their feelings, it can be really hard to draw from those things that are similar to and not exactly like. I think, I think that's a good distinction in that you may have felt similarly, but you, you didn't f- or in, in a lot of cases, in some cases, you did not feel what that person felt. Mm-hmm. But I think in being empathetic, it doesn't mean that you have to say, oh, I know exactly how mm-hmm. you feel. I know how exactly how it feels to be you, or I know exactly how it feels to be in that situation. But it's just that as that person is expressing their thought, idea, their feeling, their experience, that you can relate and understand not necessarily that you need to tell them I know exactly how you feel because in some instances you might not know exactly how they feel but like Danielle was saying you know you've known what it feels like to be alone you know what it feels like to be misjudged Mm -hmm. um you know what it feels like to be mischaracterized and as you are listening to, to, a, to the conversation, as you are doing your active listening, you can kind of see it through that lens. And that might help your growth mindset where you're rather than it being difficult and adversarial, it could be, let me put myself back when I was in that time and listen yeah. to what they're saying through that that lens. I think that's the tough part though, is mm-hmm. that actually putting yourself back there, right? Like that's the difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is saying like, oh yeah, I remember that feeling. And empathy is saying like, 
I really remember that feeling. Like I'm taking a moment to really recognize how that feeling felt in my body and realize like, that's what you and your body are going through right now, right this moment. It's not just like saying like, oh yeah, I understand. I know what it's like to be sad. It's being like, I rem- I like letting that feeling come back mm-hmm. into your body, letting mm-hmm. that, that sadness sink deep in again. People don't want to do that. Like that's it. Like you said earlier, Daniel, it takes work. That's hard stuff to be like, I'm going to be sad with you for a minute. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into our Enneagramness. <laughs> we will get there eventually, but the, but, but Jessica Key and I spend a lot of time uh, talking about the Enneagram. And, and I think that's where I recognize how hard that is, but I, even as you were saying it, you know, those pauses in how you're thinking about men, you're, you paused even in the thought of putting yourself back into that emotional state. There was no specific emotional state, but even as you reference it, Jessica, mm-hmm. you pause, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there might, any of these moments would make me want to sit back and be quiet. And so I think about like what people are looking for in these, like, when we think about these truths of the capital T, it goes back to me, for me, it goes back to the active listening, right? Because are we actually hearing this person? Are we actually thinking about what they're saying? Are we being truly attentive? Because then if you are, there's no real need to immediately respond. You know, I'm just thinking like tactic, even as one who likes to respond, if I am being empathetic and the moments I'm thinking about where I've like really like sat with someone in like my initial reaction, rarely when I'm being empathetic is to respond. My initial reaction is usually like, whew, mm-hmm. this is, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. happening. That is happening to you right now. And I felt something remotely similar and I did not like how that felt. That in itself you know, when you mm-hmm. think about tactical, like, what do you do? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. just like that silence of like, shoot. That's <laughs> acknowledgement, right? That's right. Like that is heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even as I sit here, I get quiet because I know now that. we're all thinking about heavy stuff. We're like, like, oh man, I'll, I'll even Empathizing say it's hard. Yeah. And we say this all the time that you know, going through these processes, processes, going through this um, growing and being a better participant in conversation is something that we're, we're all still working at. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say that this last one is definitely something that I have to work at more. So even when we first proposed our truce with a capital T and there was validation, I was like, yeah, no, I could totally validate. Like, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And then thinking of it as empathy, I was like, oh no, I really, I'm still work on, working on this because sympathy I've heard described as more cognitive and mm-hmm. I can do that. I can think mm-hmm. about the fact that you are sad. Mm-hmm. Like that is not difficult for me to do or probably not difficult for many people to do, but feeling with you is is definitely something that I struggle with. And I know that is something I'm working on and something I want to be more connected to people because I find a lot of, I find myself feeling disconnected sometimes on purpose, but all, not all the time. 
And I'm thinking that it's because I think of things so cerebrally. Well, maybe I should just skip that word. Cognitively, (laughs) rather than in a feeling way. And my husband Mm -hmm. is definitely the feeler and I'm definitely the the thinker as far as feelings go um, in, in our house. So I also learned from him. I wish you guys could see us because as we're like discussing this, there's a lot of different like physical cues that are happening. Like Kia's like closing her eyes as she's talking about this. <laughs> like I saw Talk her at one point. that feelings exist. I need to just say she said she said empathy and her body like retched. Like she, she was like, mm. like she had to force it out of her. And this is like, it's not just Kia. I'm picking on Kia, but we're all doing that. Like this, like, our eyes are wide, our mouths are agape. We're like, man, rubbing our temples. <laughs> Can I just add to that though, Jessica? Like that is the reason why people have a hard time with difficult conversations, challenging conversations though, because it requires this. And so like, it's mm-hmm. not fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's kind of fun, but that's also when I'm not in this, I'm not the focal point, right? I think conversations are great because I think they really do help. They help work through these things. Like I think, I think back to pre us meeting each other, like there's a lot of things that would have been harder for us then than they are now. And just in terms of like growth and like communication points and understanding ourselves and others. And so it's hard, but then you do it and you start practicing it. And then you realize that it doesn't always have to be that hard. Yeah. Yeah, it gets easier, right? And even like, to me, like certain certain versions of empathy are easier, mm-hmm. right? Certain certain feelings are easier to feel. And so learning that about yourself, being introspective, getting some insight about like what you should force yourself through a little bit more. You should force yourself to to go there, to feel those more difficult things so that you're better at empathy. Yeah. You just have to practice. Yes. Fellow thinkers of sympathy, just practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just perfect. Yeah. I mean, you just, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. And it hopefully it becomes easier. And there's nothing wrong with that though, either. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with having to practice empathy like it there, there's nothing there's no judgment in that if it doesn't come natural which I again I don't think it comes natural to everyone in all situations it's just how do you continue to work through it mm-hmm. I, I, as a learning professional I would say I, yes absolutely there's no there's no shame or nothing bad about having to grow and learn anything in anything at all if you're practicing if you're growing if you want trying to become a better human then i'm all down for it then you're doing it right yeah hey so that was a lot um, <laughs> <laughs> i feel i love our conversations i hope i hope that our audience loves our conversations too um because we just 
we just, even when we, we have our topics and we're like, yeah, we're going to talk about these things. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. None of that happens. (laughs) You all know, none of that happens. We have like side episodes that, that needs to happen. So if, if, if you're just listening and we're actually on season 20, well then great that you started on season one. But uh, thank you for listening with us all today. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. for listening. Well, yes, thank you for listening. But thank you to Jessica. And thank you to Danielle for just a wonderful conversation mm-hmm. with friends about difficult conversations. So our truths with a capital T just as a, a refresh. Honesty and authenticity, active listening, introspection, and validation or empathy. Do we yeah. have any uh, final says? Well, I mean, let us know if you have any other truths with capital T that you're like, I can't believe you guys forgot about this. We love it. I want to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we think we're pretty good at this, but man, we might have missed something entirely. Let us know. Yes. Well, as until always, then. Until then, stay candid, stay fruitful, open up. That brings us to the end of this Canned Fruit podcast episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. We also want to thank our assistant producer, Brianna Javon, from What's Good Productions. If you enjoyed our show, we invite you to connect with us on Instagram at cannedfruitpod and email us at cannedfruitpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to come back next time for another discussion as we continue to have candid and fruitful conversations. Until then, this is Jess, Kia, and Danielle. And don't forget to open up.